Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The video looks phenomenal. See, this difference between Black Star Network and Black-owned media and something like CNN. You can't be Black-owned media and be skate. It's time to be smart. Bring your eyeballs home. You dig? Coming up on Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network, we are live from the Jackie Robinson Museum here in New York City. The grand opening was today. Robin Roberts of Good Morning America, uh, she hosted the affair. Uh, dignitaries from all across the city were here. Spike Lee, 
CC Sabathia, New York Mayor Eric Adams, Billie Jean King, and many more. We'll hear from Billie Jean King, as well as Sabathia, journalist and author Howard Bryant, sports journalist Bill Roden, former Attorney General Eric Holder, officials from the National Urban League, and others as they talk about uh, the importance of Jackie Robinson and what this museum uh, is going to mean. So uh, stay right there, folks. We're going to have it all for you. Of course, uh, we uh, have been here. We are the first media outlet to broadcast from this museum. And so we are certainly excited to be here. Uh, also on today's show, we'll talk about a voter fraud canvassing case. Uh, Donald Trump is out there. Keep running his mouth. Uh, President Joe Biden, though, uh, and Democrats doing as mu much as they can uh, to deal with this very issue of uh, voter uh, uh, voter suppression that's happening all across the country. And so uh, we will uh, uh, talk about that with the correspondent from NPR, folks. Uh, on to also uh, on today's show, uh, we'll, we'll, of course, our annual Black and Missing. We focus on that every single day. Hulu has chosen not to run Democratic political ads. Um, not quite sure. A Cincinnati cop uses the N-word in uniform. Now she blames rap music. Really? Really? That's what's going on? And the entire police force in North Carolina quits when a black woman becomes a city manager. What's going on there? Folks, uh, we also have Africa on my back. Uh, that is in our marketplace segment, a Houston-based business uh, that sells African products. Folks, we've got a jam-packed show for you. And also, while we are live, uh, the gala is starting. Dougie Fresh, uh, Slick Rick will be performing. Folks, we got a lot to cover here in New York, live on the Jackie Robinson Museum. It is time to bring the funk on Roller Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. Folks, we are live here in New York City, where today uh, was the uh, grand opening of the Jackie Robinson Museum. Uh, this here uh, is uh, the video. This was the moment we've been waiting for. Uh, when, um, let's show it from my iPhone, please. Uh, when Rachel Robinson, 100 years old, when she uh, uh, was wheeled up by her son, David Robinson, uh, to cut the ribbon uh, uh, on uh, this museum, Folks, uh, it was her vision for quite some time. Uh, I talked to sports journalist Bill Rowe, and he says he remembers sitting in this space in 2009, talking with her about this vision, uh, and she wanted, she thought it was going to be done in three or four years. 
Uh, no, it took 13 years. We were here in 2017 when they had the groundbreaking for this uh, museum. COVID came. Uh, that was an issue. Some $35 million was raised to open this museum uh, dedicated uh, to uh, the first African-American ball player to play in the white major leagues. Uh, Jackie Robinson, of course, uh, was uh, beyond, he was bigger than that. Uh, and this museum uh, clearly shows that what he was, what, what he meant, uh, not only when it came to him playing baseball, but his work in civil rights, uh, his fights for equal rights in the military, uh, what he did as a, a black corporate executive, as a baseball announcer. We could go on and on and on, uh, but Jackie Robinson was indeed uh, a significant figure in American history, and this museum uh, focuses on that. And so uh, we were so glad to be here uh, to cover this live uh, earlier today. There were so many different uh, folks, of course, uh, who were here, different people uh, who were here, uh, different folks who were here uh, uh, speaking, but also attending uh, this event. Uh, various officials uh, were here, again, uh, making it clear that, that they felt it was necessary uh, to be here because of what Jackie Robinson meant uh, to them personally, uh, but also to uh, this country. Uh, I want to first start um, with this, folks, uh, in terms of what I want to show. Uh, again, some of what took place today. Uh, before the event started, we were live, broadcasting live, uh, and New York Yankees great CeCe Sabathia uh, was actually here as well. Got just to catch up with him, and he shared his thoughts before the ceremony. This is awesome to be able to have come here and have the museum opening. I haven't been through it yet, but I'm looking forward to it. Well, I saw your video on the inside. I got a little preview last night. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I haven't seen anything. So, uh, no, nah, it's just cool to be able to, you know, have this this moment for us. Um, you know, I, I don't think this is a baseball story. I think it's an American history story. So to be able to have this museum here in New York City, um, I think it's really, really cool. And one of the things you've been very vocal about, uh, how important this history is, how important black ball players are uh, to this sport. Unfortunately, the numbers have dwindled a lot. Uh, and some people are like, hey, CC, why are you talking all that? But your deal is like, no, 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 no. This is also our sport. Cause we, because I keep telling people the major league players were in the Negro Leagues. It was just called a major league because the white folks had all the money. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing is that people don't understand that the Negro Leagues wasn't like a backyard league. These were like, this is like the LeBron James and, you know, Satchel Paige was flying around on a plane. Well, Dizzy, Dizzy, Dizzy Dean said, he said the best players were in the Negro League. Yeah, I mean, and I got a chance to spend a lot of time with Bob Feller. Him and Satchel Paige were really close, and he told me that the best players were in the Negro League. So, you know, to be able to have this museum and, and have, you know, everything that Jackie stood for, um, be here and, and be, you know, immortalized is awesome for us. All right, man. Always good to see you, baby. Yes, sir. All right. Look at Slick. Oh, you know it. Come on now. <laughs> Robin Roberts of Good Morning America, she served as the MC and she set the tone when she opened it up. From the start, Mrs. Robinson envisioned a museum that was much more than a remembrance of her husband's, yes, baseball Hall of Fame career. Her dream was a museum that would be a celebration of an American hero whose actions opened the floodgates to the modern civil rights movement. The Jackie Robinson Museum will be New York's epicenter for bringing black history forward into the present. It will serve as a venue for vibrant dialogue 
on critical social issues, a beacon of hope, which we always are in need of. Against the backdrop of U.S. history, from the, his birth in 1919 to today, the mission of the museum will be to educate, inspire, and to challenge. Educate visitors about Jackie Robinson, yes, the athlete, activist, patriot, entrepreneur, and devoted family man. Inspire those interested in the history of social change and the prescription for greater progress. And finally, challenge. Challenge people of all ages to pursue a life of achievement and purpose, a life committed to impacting others' lives. And that is the motto of the foundation. Uh, but I want you to know, make no mistake about it, with over 450 priceless artifacts collected by family and friends, 40,000 historical images, more than 450 hours of amazing, amazing video footage, and the voices of dozens of cultural icons and social leaders, this museum behind us will always, always be an entertaining experience enhanced by advanced capabilities that will captivate visitors of all ages. But that was not actually not the beginning of today's ceremony. Howard Bryant, uh, who helped write a lot of the text in this museum, uh, he tweeted that uh, Rachel Robinson, uh, she wanted uh, to feel as if she was back in Ebbets Field, where Jackie Robinson, the Brooklyn Dodgers, played. Uh, and that was a uh, symphony band uh, that played uh, quite the upbeat music. And so uh, they had a little New Orleans flavor that kicked this thing off uh, today. Check this out. Folks, Howard Bryant. Audio, audio. Again, folks, again, there was a live band there. I'm trying to tell y'all, so I'm talking over the video, folks. Uh, and so there was a live band there. It was a great time there. Uh, and so, uh, again, so she wanted the throwback moment there. Uh, and so uh, that's what she got. When Richard Robinson wants it, uh, she actually gets it. Uh, all right, folks, uh, also, uh, a number of people who actually spoke today, uh, including Della Britton. She is the CEO of the Jackie Robinson Foundation, uh, and uh, she shared... A few remarks uh, from the uh, podium today. Actually, almost 18, 18 years now. Um, I mentioned to Len Coleman, who was at the time the board chairman, longtime board chairman of the foundation. He's now chairman emeritus. I said to him, you know, this is such an exciting thing for me as um, one of six children and the only girl. Um, been a sports fan all my life. And I said, but I'm thinking, you know, two or three years makes sense for me. And then I'll 
you know, step aside and do what the board directed me to do, which was initially to increase the national presence of the foundation and, of course, to grow and institutionalize its celebrated career and leadership development program, which next year will be 50 years old. There was talk also, however, about Rachel Robinson adding another goal for the foundation, something for which she had had a long-held vision, and it was to build a museum that not only told the story of her heroic husband, but that encouraged particularly the next generation to carry on his work and to embrace the values of humanitarianism. And the idea was that the museum would bring people together forge bonds, and continue the work of changing the social landscape of our country for the better. But it became clear to me, after a few months or so, that I had not factored into this two-year plan of mine how compelling and uplifting it would be to be around so many bright, highly motivated young people in our Jackie Robinson Foundation Scholars Program. I was focused on infrastructure, management, systems, but when I realized the depth of the foundation's college mentoring program, and then, perhaps more importantly, the pride and the affinity that Rachel Robinson inspired in these young leaders, I began to realize that this program, 50 years old next year, as I said, as much Rachel's and Jackie's legacy today was very special, and I was hooked. One of my favorite stories was often told by JRF alumni. Each year when the group convened beginning in the beginning at Rachel Robinson's home in her living room, Rachel would have each Jackie Robinson scholar talk about their experience in college. And at the end of each of those stories, an alumni loved to tell this story, she would say, so what have you done to give back? What have you done for the community this year? And these are college students making their way and some of their answers were insufficient. And she would say, well, I'm not sure that's good enough. So let's hear next year when you come back um, what else you think uh, you can do for the community. And one of those alumni who told that story is now the chairman of the Jackie Robinson Foundation Board of Directors. His name is Greg Gonzalez. I saw him earlier. Yes. I know, I know Len Coleman mentored him, but Greg, who had a 4.0 at the time. Folks, that, uh, again, uh, Della Britton, she is the CEO of the Jackie Robinson Foundation. Uh, David Robinson is the son of Jackie and Rachel Robinson, and he spoke from the podium today about this day and his father. Thank you very much. It is uh, truly a great day and truly a great honor. And the one of the questions I think my father would have raised was who was being honored. He was a man who used the word we regularly when he spoke. In early life, that we was a, a wife, Rachel Robinson, and himself. That we grew as it became a team and the Brooklyn Dodgers went from segregation to internal conflict to finally integration and finally victory as a baseball team. That we grew 
when Jackie Robinson stepped out on the baseball field and for the first time there were thousands of African Americans in the stadium who had a hero to cheer. That we grew when white Americans saw the courage and integrity and skills of a man who could make not only the game better, not only Brooklyn a championship stadium for baseball, but could impact all of America. So the we began to grow beyond family, it grew beyond race, it grew beyond sport, and I think today Jackie Robinson would say, I accept this honor, but I accept this honor on behalf of someone far, of something far beyond my individual self, far beyond my family, far beyond even my race. Jackie Robinson would say, don't think of you standing on my shoulders. I think of myself standing on the shoulders of my mother who was a sharecropper in Georgia, my grandmother, who was born a slave, standing, and as the we has expanded beyond family, each of us can see within our families, within our race, within our religion, great people on whose shoulders we are standing and forging the larger we, because in fact, the family that Jackie Robinson represents today and the potential that Jackie Robinson represents and the challenge that this museum makes is, is to the family of man, which includes all of us. We, so, um, I thank you. I know Jackie Robinson would thank you. Um, this moment in history is now a challenge for all of us because the issues in baseball, the issues that Jackie Robinson challenged in 1947, they're still with us. They're still with us in, 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 in some degree a greater and more complex nature. The signs of white only uh, have been taken down, but the, the complexity of equal opportunity still exists. And when you look at this museum, look at the, 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 the greatness of the achievement, um, but also the challenge that was faced and the challenge that we face ahead of us. So for all of us here, congratulations we are part of the we, and we need to keep that we growing if we're going to have an America and a global civilization that embraces and supports and nurtures all human life. Thank you. Eric Adams, the second black mayor of New York City, and he spoke today about uh, being a beat cop in New York, walking past uh, this particular location here that now is the Jackie Robinson Museum. Thank you so much. It's such a significant moment. Uh, sometimes uh, in the celebratory states that we're in, we miss some of the subtext. Uh, yes, uh, we know uh, Jackie's uh, glory uh, but sometimes we don't really dig into the crevices and acknowledge his stories.
of this moment is a moment that not only talk about his greatness on the field but off the field, but it's also a story about a love affair. It's a story about a man and wife who partnered together and just really personified the experience of love and commitment. And I know you're celebrating 100 years of, of life. And uh, throughout my entire life, both in public safety and not, you know, when you used to do the concerts up in Connecticut, our team used to be up there to provide support. Uh, but when I was a, uh, a police officer, I would pass by this space all the time. This was my area of patrol. And I would think about that number 42. And that number began the process of us uh, reflecting on greatness. You could not find Spike Lee without wearing that 42 all the time, you know, talking about Jackie, talking about Jackie. And Jackie meant so much to America in general, but specifically he meant so much to black folks, and he meant so much to black men, black men. Uh, we understood that not only did we have the challenges of running a baseball field, uh, the challenges of corporate America, the challenges of politics. Uh, I used to hear David Dinkins talk about becoming the first black mayor and how inspiring Jackie was to him and so many others. And becoming the first black borough president and uh, so many things we have done, we did it in the spirit of Jackie Robinson. But it's your partnership. As Jackie um, transitioned. Eric uh, Adams. Uh, Howard Bryant uh, is a journalist, uh, author. As I said earlier, he wrote some of the text here in the museum. And uh, we had a chance to talk about, again, what Jackie Robinson meant and what he felt like being able to participate uh, in this museum. Folks, Howard Bryant, um, journalist, author books on Ricky Henderson, Henry Aaron, we can go on and on and on, all kinds of different books. Uh, just your thoughts on this finally opening five years after the groundbreaking. Well, I'm, I'm just pleased about it for lots of reasons. I mean, one, to have it open a week after Rachel's birthday and all of the consternation about trying to get it open and, and not to be morbid, but we wanted her to see it. And after each delay and each delay, you were like, are we going to get there? Are we going to get there? Are we going to get there? And also, I feel very personal uh, for it as well because they asked me to write, you know, some of the museum exhibits, which has been, which was an honor. So to see it, to see this, this space from just concrete to a finished product, it almost feels like writing a book where it, it starts from nothing and then it ends up as something. And then now it's something for everyone to see. It's amazing. Uh, Billy Aaron is here, uh, the widow of uh, Henry Aaron. Um, so many people uh, who, who knew him, uh, who, who played with him, uh, for them to also experience this. And the beauty of this, that I was in there yesterday, is that it doesn't just talk about him as a baseball player. It's him in his totality. Well, there's no question. When we were in the, in the planning sessions of what this script was going to look like, one of the things that was emphasized to me over and over again is this is not a baseball museum. There's going to be baseball in it, but this is not going to be defined by baseball. And I remember stepping back going, okay, but how do we know Jackie? We know Jackie is a baseball player. We know what made Jackie famous. And what is the strategy and what are the calculations of do you emphasize the fan service? 
why are people coming here? Or do you emphasize something else, which is, okay, here's the totality of the person. And I think that it struck a really great balance of making sure that you come for the baseball, but you stay for the man, or you come for the man, and then you get some baseball as well. Uh, and going through it, uh, when you look at, uh, first of all, the NAACP work, when you look at, again, and in fact, I was telling one of the folks, I really hope that they hit TNT uh, to, to have that, that movie Andre Breyer portray him, the court martial of Jackie Robinson, because you can't find it anywhere. I said, because, again, that's a story very few people know about, how this man put it on the line facing a dishonorable discharge, uh, and he did that before Rosa Parks. I mean, this is somebody who said, no, no, I, I'm not going to the back of the bus in, in Fort Hood uh, clean. That's right. And, and I think what's most amazing about Jackie, and it's always been something, especially when you look at the history of who he was as a person, where did that drive come from? Where did that courage come from? The willingness to do this, knowing the price. And nobody knows who Jackie Robinson is at the time, so everything he did was on principle. There's no grandstanding here. There's nothing performative about what he did. What's right is right. And that's it. I mean, he was a great college athlete, but at that time... But even before he was a college athlete, he was doing this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> even before, you know, when he was at Pasadena, there was always some moment somewhere where Jackie Robinson was involved in right and wrong. And so, to me, it was just something inherent in him. And... I just find him to be so, you know, inspirational is one word, but he's incredible. Yeah. Because when you talk about who he is, or who he was as a person, it's not just the baseball. First black man to integrate corporate America. First black man to be on the broadcast and national, you know, in the in the broadcast booth. First black VP in the country. I mean, all of these different firsts, and and. And also, on, on, on top of being those first, it's the vision that here's what I'm all about. I'm also about making sure that black people had agency in terms of their own money. So in terms of trying to start the Freedom National Bank. All of these things, they all add up to the same, the same vision, which is I am here for my people. And they just have, it just brings you to tears. I mean, the amount of respect that you have for somebody who is so clear that here's what I'm all about. I mean, what do we always say? Don't talk about it, be about it, right? Here's somebody who is about it at all times. And someone who uh, was very clear in uh, his uh, book where he was, here he is raising money, he's on the board of the NAACP, but highly critical of the, of the CEO, Roy Wilkins. I mean, his whole deal was about accountability, whether you were black or white. Well, that's right. And on, and on top of that, there's an evolution. I think, I think one of the things that I admire most about, about Jackie Robinson and it's reflected in the museum as well, is how many times he failed. I mean, it's not, I mean, the story is not always heroic with him. He didn't, when, when, when Rachel wanted to work, he didn't really want his wife working, but he had to grow and he evolved and he and Martin Luther King Jr. were at odds on Vietnam. And then Jackie came, you know, had to come around and had to evolve with the times and to recognize that being in the fight doesn't always mean that everything you do is perfect. but. You're in it, and you grow, and you fight, and you change. And, and his story is just so remarkable in so many ways because he's one of the few guys, especially in a time today, where everyone is trying to burnish their image. They're always trying to make sure that everything that they do is it's all about the brand. The brand and the polish. Jackie was willing to say, I messed up. 
I didn't get this part right, but I'm going to get the next part right. Well, that was the case Spike Lee and I talked about that last night, uh, about him testifying uh, on the House committee and what he had to say about Paul Robeson right. and how he later said he wished he had not done that. That's right. And once again, that's a, you know, Robeson Robinson, July 18th, 1949, is one of these seminal moments in black history because, once again, you are brought to, you are brought to witness in service, not of your own people, but in service of white people. And Jackie was torn because he was a veteran, and he did view the American dream a certain way, and he did believe in it. And he also knew in the back of his mind that there was a high potentiality that he was being used. And by the segregationists on that House and American Activities Committee who would not sign an anti-lynching bill but dragged him up to Congress to testify against Paul Robeson. And what I find most fascinating and most sort of poignant about it was the fact that both Jackie and Paul ended up eventually in the same place, which was brokenhearted and disillusioned at, at this country when what they really, really wanted was what we all want, which is to be in service of black people. And freedom. And freedom, 100%. Uh, you've covered baseball for a number of years. You covered even guys today. Um, what is your hope for an, a current Major League Baseball player or an up-and-coming baseball player if they came through this museum? Well, I think it always comes back to values. And I think that if you know your values, then I think you're going to do fine in, in your life. And I think that, to me, one of the biggest issues that I always have, especially in today's celebrity hero culture and the rest of it, is that you don't follow people, you follow values. And this museum is all about values. It's all about where do you stand on this issue? Who am I? And and once again, who you are is always going to evolve. And if you're a player walking in and you're a current player, you realize that virtually every issue that you're faced with right now is nothing compared to the issues he was faced with. And if he could do what he did, there's no reason why you can't do more. Always good to see you, my brother. I appreciate it, baby. I appreciate it. All right, folks, uh, in the next hour, we will hear from former Attorney General Eric Holder, uh, journalist Bill Roden, the great Billie Jean King, uh, among others, uh, as we continue our coverage from the Jackie Robinson Museum. I'm joined right now by uh, talk show host Mark Thompson. Mark, uh, it uh, certainly has been a, uh, an unbelievable day, uh, again, uh, to be able to walk through this uh, museum uh, just, to, just over your left shoulder, uh, right there, I don't know if we can get a shot of that, Henry, uh, is uh, uh, the, uh, the U.S. Army uniform uh, of Jackie Robinson. That was a great movie. Uh, Andre Breyer starred as him, a movie that was in 2000, called The Court Martial of Jackie Robinson. Uh, and a lot of people don't even understand. Like, again, this is before Jackie Robinson played Major League Baseball. Uh, this is the Jackie Robinson uh, who did this before Rosa Parks uh, in Montgomery when he was in what was then called Camp Hood, Texas, uh, in Colleen, now known as Fort Hood. Uh, and so this was somebody who did not take anything off of anybody his entire life. No, he, he wouldn't give up his seat on that bus in the same way Rosa Parks did years before she did it. And and that's who he was. The beauty, the beauty about this museum, as I'm sure you've mentioned, and thanks for having me, is that this is the only civil rights museum in New York. And when that, when Della Britton said that, the CEO gave that interview to the New York Times the other day and said that, all of us had to think, wait a minute, that's, that's true. That's actually no other civil rights museum here in New York. And this is a space 
that is is dedicated not just to his athletic career, to his civil rights career, to his uh, being first in many business ventures, uh, and it's important. And you know, for someone like me, um, who's um, been a lifelong baseball fan, and my son plays, man, last night feels like felt like Christmas Eve. You know, just knowing this was going to open. We were here together five years ago. Um, when this first was, when the groundbreaking first took place and all of the people you were able to talk to, uh, to share their experiences. Um, this, this is truly full circle, I think, too, for Mrs. Robinson, because this is what she wanted. No one thought it would take this long, but you and I both know some of the hardships. You know, it, a lot of folks don't want to raise money to build black museums, let alone civil rights museums. But the Robinson family didn't give up. Della Britton didn't give up. Members of the board who were involved, they didn't give up. And, you know, I'm just looking at, at, at some of the donors on the legacy board outside. And the estate of Michael Jackson made, you know, donated millions to be a part uh, of this and help make this happen. I think this is going to be one of the biggest attractions um, in New York. And for those who like to go to the Smithsonian and visit the National Museum of African American History and Culture, come on up the road. Come on up the road and check this out too, because and it's interactive too. We can't see it all tonight, of course, but yeah, it is well, actually, interactive. Hey guys, can y'all roll the B-roll, please? I mean, we got B-roll. Show people the museum. If y'all can roll it in DC, please. Uh, I mean, again, we're talking about interactive. Uh, what you're seeing here, folks. Again, there are a number of paintings uh, that are, that are sculptures that are all throughout uh, the museum. You're seeing that. Uh, you talk about it being interactive, uh, where they actually even have towards the end of it uh, where they have um, actually where you have to make a commitment that's right what issue you want to work on uh, they also yes. here they also have lots of uh, they have these video of uh, these video sort of stations uh, where they ask a lot of us I did one of those videos uh, to talk about Jackie Robinson uh, and so you absolutely and so there's some, some really cool graphics some touchscreen graphics uh, as well they have there's even a virtual Ebbets field. And it's a little replica, a 3D replica of it, and it's interactive. You can touch, you know, by touch the touch screen, it will take you through different experiences in Ebbets Field. You mentioned Mrs. Robinson wanted uh, the band. There was a, a an orchestra at Ebbets Field known as the Symphony. Uh, because they weren't very good, they were phony, but they were, they were, they kept the crowd lively. You can see that band. You can see uh, the interactive touchscreen where Rachel Robinson used to warm the milk bottles for Jackie Jr. Uh, when they first got to Brooklyn uh, for the games, and she would go to one of the hot dog stands and warm the milk bottles. That's how it was. You can almost smell uh, the hot dogs and the pretzels. Uh, I'm too young to have known uh, Ebbets Field. Uh, but it gives you it gives you that glimpse, and it, it's it's really touching because I think Roland, a lot of young people are going to be able to come here and have really a, an incredible uh, experience. Uh, there'll be a lot to learn here. This is going to be interactive. This is this this museum does not shy away from race relations yep. either. It's going to take that on. It's going to deal with all those all those types of issues. And the, there's a timeline to your right. Uh, some of you saw in the B-roll, the, the long wall. It's a timeline of all of the historical events in African-American history from the time Jackie Robinson was born um, to the time he passed away. And you just see how his life followed all of these events, what he was involved in in terms of, of all of these events. 
Um, and I think this is probably going to end up being one of the, the most celebrated uh, and the most popular African-American and civil rights museums in the country. I hope people will come uh, and check it out. I, I do know they have plans to do virtual events for young people at a distance. Um, and, and I think, too, it tells the, the true story about a lot of the things that, that really happened. Yeah, absolutely. The, 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 the threatening letters are here. The, the, the threats that he made. Yeah, the letters, but they also, uh, remember, they're showing you, again, Jim Crow and the reality right. uh, of what he faced. Uh, across the street from most folks is, uh, is a massive tent. That's where right. the gala is going to be taking place. Uh, a little bit earlier, uh, go to my iPad, please. Uh, I was, this is when I was walking in. This is where the people were assembled uh, before uh, the event took place. Uh, and so, again, they had all of the, uh, you know, all of the placards there uh, telling the story. Uh, and again, the people were, this is the people were assembled before they came over to, uh, the groundbreaking. This is where the event tonight is going to be taking place. There's going to be a gala. It's actually happening right now. Uh, there are people who are actually taking tours through, through, uh, through the, um, uh, through the, uh, museum right now. And so, uh, and they're going to be bringing people over. So Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick is going to be performing, uh, there as well. And so, uh, it truly is, uh, an amazing museum. Uh, and you really want to take the time to just read as much as possible and, and take in all of this history. And so we're going to have more uh, in our second hour uh, when we uh, get remembrances from Bill Roden, Attorney General uh, Eric, uh, 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 Eric Holder, Hassani Pratt with the National Urban League. Uh, we'll talk with all of them, Billie Jean King as well. And so really looking forward to that and sharing that with you folks. So right now we're going to go to a break. Uh, and we come back, we'll have more on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, broadcasting live, the first media outlet. And, and, and let me say this here, the Jack Robinson Foundation uh, greatly respects black-owned media. That's right. And so for them to allow us to be the first media outlet to broadcast a show inside of this museum, uh, we certainly appreciate that. And so thank you so very much. So we'll have more on the Black Star Network from the Jack Robinson Museum in New York City back in a moment. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet that's right up to fifteen hundred dollars again sign up using code buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and game sense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. 
This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's full regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. With me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, you see the headlines. All frightening, right? Interest rates are going up. The recession is on the way. The stock market is up and down. But you know what they say. Scared money? Don't make money. That's why I'm excited on our next Get Wealthy to have a conversation with someone who has written a new book, Fearless Finances, and she's going to share exactly what you need to do to secure your bag, regardless of the ups and downs of the economy or the stock market. Oftentimes you can start with as little as $5. That's right here, only on Get Wealthy on Black Star Network. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network, every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hey, I'm Antonique Smith. Hello, everyone. It's Kiara Sheard. Hey, I'm Taj. I'm Coco. And I'm Lily. And we're SWV. What's up, y'all? It's Ryan Destiny, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
Folks, one of the things that Jackie Robinson was heavily involved in was politics. Uh, he was a black Republican, uh, and he initially supported Richard Nixon uh, and felt he should have done more to get the black vote when he faced, President, faced John F. Kennedy in 1960. Then, of course, he was, uh, he was just shocked uh, by uh, uh, Senator Barry Goldwater in 1964 and campaigned against the Republican candidate for president. Uh, this issue of voting, this issue of where we stand uh, in this country, uh, it continues right now with Donald Trump uh, denying the fact that he lost this whole election denial, uh, the stuff that we're seeing all across the country. Uh, joining me right now is Miles Park. He's with the in National Public Radio uh, Washington desk, and he wrote a piece called The Election Denial Movement is Now Going Door to Door. Miles, glad to have you on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Uh, this is important because many people may not realize that you have a Republican Party that was very much a supportive of uh, civil rights in the 1960s. Now what you see is something completely different. Uh, these people uh, are trying to destroy democracy, want to deny anything, deny ex exactly what happened. Uh, and so it, it is a shame what we are witnessing uh, and just, it, it, they just will not accept what is truthful about what happened. Right now there are three counties in Pennsylvania that are refusing to certify election results because they say they didn't, because they disagree with it. Yeah, we're seeing this kind of election denial, kind of, um, it's almost, when I talk to election officials across the country, that's my job as a voting reporter, is talking to people who are actually running these elections at the local level. It, it's basically like a virus at this point that started, you know, when we think about 2016, 2017, you think about what was coming out of Donald Trump's Twitter account, and it was all of these lies and misinformation around our election processes, and people kind of looked at that and said, oh, you know, yeah, he's incorrect, or he's lying about this stuff. But it felt really isolated to Trump himself and his Twitter. Now it is completely spread all over the country. Trump's not on Twitter anymore. He's not tweeting these things out. But we're seeing it. I've been reporting all summer on all the different ways that this kind of lie has spread to the local level. The story you're mentioning that came out last, last week is about uh, these groups of people that we don't know exactly how big this effort has gotten. But there are groups of people who are going door to door in neighborhoods and communities all across the country convinced in their mind, in their heart, that there is voter fraud, despite the fact that there's no evidence that that is the case. And they are going and trying to root it out themselves, knocking on people's doors, putting together kind of phony reports, reports that essentially are lying about the election results uh, to kind of keep pushing this life forward. Well, Miles, I'll be honest. I think media is culpable in this, uh, in that so many media folks were unwilling to call Donald Trump's lies lies. I go back to the whole birther, uh, how the whole the way he was uh, emboldened. People kept giving interviews and didn't want to call it a lie. Then he kept lying in 2015 and 2016. And I remember there was this whole debate uh, in mainstream media. Well, in order to call it a lie, we have to know the person's intentions before we call it that. And I'm like, no, you don't. There's fact and there's fiction. There's truth and there are lies. Then you had Kellyanne Conway who, who, Conway, who used the phrase alternative facts. Again, too many people in our industry failed to push back immediately when he was lying. I think that's completely fair, and I think that's really come up a lot. Anyone who's been watching the January 6th commission hearings over the last couple of weeks, um, it's very, very clear that over the last few years, Donald Trump had people in his orbit, people he trusted, who were telling him, no, 
the election was not stolen. We have no evidence that there was fraud in all these places that you're saying there was fraud. And so he, we, you know, we've definitely gotten to a point where we know with 100% certainty that people he trusted were telling him the truth and he decided not to kind of air that to his followers. I think it gets a little dicier when you get beyond the public figures. Like, yes, I think when you look at somebody like Steve Bannon, Trump's longtime associate or Trump himself, you can say, oh, you know, these people know what they're doing and they know they're lying to the public. But, you know, you talk to the people at the neighborhood level, you know, you're, the people who live on your street uh, who think the election was stolen. And, you know, I think that's when we have misinformation coming from those folks, which is where we're at right now. You know, there are millions and millions of people who are sharing bad information. Some of them know it's not true, people like Donald Trump, uh, and are still continuing to share it. And then I think when you get to the more local level, more normal regular people, many of those people are sharing it and helping that lie stay afloat without knowing it's a lie. They're not doing it in bad faith. They're doing it in good faith. And I think we have not figured out as a society the correct way to uh, fix that problem. Well, what they're doing is they're now weaponizing the lie. That's what they're doing, because now they're running people uh, who uh, they're running them for election board. They're running them for secretary of state. They're running them for public office. People who are not only believing the lie is a part of their campaign. Yeah, absolutely. And that's uh, another thing we're going to be watching this November. Uh, there are state, a number of states where we've seen people who have said that they believe the 2020 election was stolen, who are running for positions to oversee voting. Secretary of State is the highest profile one. Uh, places like Nevada and Michigan, there are Republicans who are going to be on the ballot in November to oversee voting in these key swing states. Uh, because the Secretary of State, I think it's important to remind people, not everyone uh, remembers that. The Secretary of State, uh, while they are often in charge of things like sometimes marriage licenses or business licenses, they're also, they oversee the voting process. So in places like Michigan, Nevada, there's going to be an Arizona primary next week where Republicans there are going to decide whether to nominate an election denier to oversee voting. And so when I talk to election experts, they're basically screaming from the mountaintops, telling people you need to not just look at who you're voting for for Senate or for Congress. These secretary of state races are going to be really important in November, especially in these swing states, because this is the first time, Roland, that this has really ever happened, where you have people running for these sorts of positions who don't believe, you know, in the basic tenets of democracy, basically. Uh, indeed, uh, indeed. Uh, Miles Parks, we certainly appreciate it. Thanks for joining us on Roland Martin Unfiltered. Thank you so much for having me, Roland. I'm going to bring my panel right now. Let me talk to uh, see uh, Teresa Lundy, uh, TML Communications, a principal founder, uh, Dr. Larry J. Walker, assistant professor, University of Central Florida, uh, Tarun Walker, founder of Context Media. Glad to have all three of you here. Teresa, I want to start with you. You're there in uh, Pennsylvania. You've got Doug Mastriano, Republican candidate for governor. This is somebody who was leading the fake, false, lying electors in that state. This man is the Republican nominee for governor. This man could very well be, be, uh, be elected. This is what we're dealing with. We have people who literally want to win office who do not believe uh, the election was fair. You got Kerry Lake in Arizona running for governor. Same thing. We can go on and on and on. These people absolutely believe lies, and they're pushing the lies. Yeah, Pennsylvania is um, really in an uncertain place as it relates to, uh, you know, the next election, what the next few months actually look like. Um, unfortunately and fortunately, 
Um, we do have voters who are uh, very woke. Um, but I do believe that the Republicans here in Pennsylvania are going to have to do a whole lot of spending in order to make sure that their message um, is also getting, uh, getting across. But it really does look like this will be a Democratic race here in the statewide um, race, but we can't take anything for granted because, again, Republicans are using every tools that they can um, in order to um, silence the Democratic vote, but also ensure that we are taking off our message um, and taking off the, uh, um, um, the you know, the, the, the awareness campaign. Uh, Larry, uh, it, look, it is significant. Uh, and, um, and again, they're not just running for governor or for U.S. Senate or for members of Congress. They want to control elections boards. They want to put in place the apparatus to literally steal elections all based upon the lie of Donald Trump. Sure. So the Republicans you're highlighting, you're running for, you know, Secretary of State and other offices are being clear about their intent. So this is why this is a five alarm fire as it relates to democracy in the United States. We should talk about the election this year. And obviously we have a presidential election in a couple of years. But these folks are setting they're, they're moving the chess pieces to make sure that if they don't like the outcome for a, or a state and or, or, you know, um, you know, national election, that they have the ability to make whatever changes they want, and there will be little pushback. I think the other thing to keep in mind, Roland, we talk about these these, and I really enjoyed reading the article we, we just discussed. You discussed is that these deniers, we're going to shift from people knocking on your door with public information about and asking you questions about who you voted for to shifting to violence, and that's coming. And I want to you know re remind people, I'm in the state of Florida. In 1920, the, the Okoe massacre in which black folks in the state were, were and, and Okoe were murdered because they were seeking to vote. So we're going to shift very quickly to not only people knocking on your door, but people threatening you physically or physically harming you. So it's really important, like I said, that we really focus on what's happening with these deniers. We make sure they're not elected and that we also hold federal officials um, accountable who are also espousing these, 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 these lies. Uh, Tehran, what I, but what I need everybody watching to understand is that if these people are in position on elections boards or secretaries of state, they're not going to be just impacting presidential, U.S. Senate, and congressional races. They will be affecting every race. They will be affecting school board races, city council races, county commissioner races. Black folks watching cannot act as if this is not a significant threat to the future of black politics. You're absolutely right. And I think two things are happening. here. I also looked at the article um, that the story was based on. And what you're seeing is people who are going into neighborhoods, knocking on people's doors and asking who they voted for and did they vote or not. And in an attempt to try to get, catch people up in, the, in a, some sort of situation where they feel like they've done something wrong. Two things are happening here. I'm pretty sure that a lot of the neighborhoods that they're going to and asking these questions are people who may have an uncomfortable uh, relationship to authority and an uncomfortable relationship to the political process. You automatically are intimidating voters by just showing up to do that. The second thing that's happening here is what this is doing is showing you that this is what we're happening, what's happening is a plan that has been planned out way before Trump got here. This is part of the Republican playbook to start packing in the courts, to start packing school boards, to start packing electoral offices, so you can put through any sort of hateful legislation that you want to push through with a clean slate because nobody's there to challenge that. The other thing this does is it muddies the water. 
Um, unfortunately, in this time that we live in now, a rumor and a lie can move a lot faster than the truth. And if you put the uh, if you put the energy out there that there's um, voter fraud, people are going to automatically start assuming that is true, whether it's true or not, even if you show them the data. So I think it's incumbent on the Democrats to really get in front of a lot of this and come out with facts and be aggressive about putting messaging out for people who are at risk to say that, no, this isn't true. This is what the facts are. That has to happen as well. Uh, well, absolutely. All of those things must happen. Uh, and again, to everybody who's watching, I, I, look, I'm trying to tell y'all, a lot of you people out here, y'all can sit here and be talking about all oh, rolling to my vote blue. Y'all, y'all play games if y'all want to. What these people are trying to do, what their plan is, is to execute a sadistic strategy that will not be helpful to African-Americans. I am trying to tell you, this is no joke, folks. So please, uh, don't act like, oh, man, this is no big deal. Oh, I hear the stuff. Oh, we've been through slavery. We can get through this. Don't play games with this because this is serious. Trust me. Uh, Got to go to break, folks. When we come back, more on Roland Martin Unfiltered, uh, broadcasting live from the Jack Robinson Museum here in New York City on the Black Star Network. And, of course, download the Black Star Network app on all platforms, Apple phone, Android phone, Apple TV, Android TV, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Xbox One, Samsung Smart TV. And, of course, please join our Bring the Funk fan club where your dollars make it possible for us to do what we do to cover stories such as this here in uh, New York City. Send checks and money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037-0196. Cash app, dollar sign, RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo, RM Unfiltered. Zale, rolling at rollinsmartin.com. We'll be right back. Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Teresa Griffin. Hi, my name is Latoya Luckett, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. Folks, Marshall Grant Griffin, who goes by Grant, has been missing from Graham, North Carolina, since June 27th. He is 5 feet 11 inches tall, weighs 180 pounds, with black hair and brown eyes. 
Grant was last seen driving his green 1996 town and country van. He was wearing black sweatpants with a black hoodie. Anyone with information about Grant Griffin should call the Grand North Carolina Police Department at 336-570-6711, 336-570-6711. Folks, a Cincinnati police officer has been stripped of her police duties after she was caught on her body cam using the N-word. Ridiculous. This happened while Officer Rose Valentino was driving past a high school. She said the slur was directed at a student who allegedly flipped her off. She has been suspended while her disciplinary hearing process takes place. She claims that music and hearing others use the word desensitized her to racist language. Now, this is the first racially motivated incident for Valentino. In 2018, she and two other officers were involved in a racial discrimination lawsuit. To run, you buying this? <laughs> this is the first time I've ever heard an officer blame NWA on her behavior. This is something new. Um, this, you know what? This, this, it's fascinating to me because you said this woman has been reprimanded several times for not turning on her body camera. Um, she was involved in a racial bias lawsuit, as you said, and it also came to light that a couple years ago she was involved in a personal domestic violence dispute, um, and she was forced to take anger management classes. You got to ask yourself, is this somebody that you want on the street with a gun, with the power of life and death, um, patrolling your neighborhoods? Um, it's just, it's crazy to me. Um, what's, but what's fascinating is that this woman was able to do this, still be on the force, and still be allowed by her department to be out on, in the, dealing with the public. The only reason she got suspended now is because we have video um, footage of it. And she's only been suspended. How long is the suspension going to last? They're going to let her back onto the street? What's going to happen after this? So to answer your question, no, I don't buy it. You know, at least she didn't use some drug to say that she was on it. She blamed rap music. That's interesting. That's new to us. Teresa, there's no way in the world this woman should be a cop. She should be fired. Absolutely. But we all know how the system of the police department actually works. You know, they um, get reprimanded by getting time off from the desk. But, you know, this type of behavior is exactly what people are protesting about in the streets. It's about having, you know, um, equality. You know, it's not, a, and it's about accountability. It's about, you know, respecting other individuals. Um, you know, I think in outside of her saying the N-word, you know, that was due to, quote, um, the music that is out here in the public, uh, which, again, you can choose or uh, not choose to listen to. Um, but also, she said she hates people. She hates, you know, the, her job. And so I, even for, you know, that base alone, if you hate your job and you hate those type of people, you hate black and brown people, and your job is to serve the people, you know, th that's the type of person you do not want in a position of power. Because, again, I think, you know, as we look at some of these police officers um, and their accountability, you know, and how they treat black and brown uh, people, um, I think, you know, if they say we're, they're tired of us complaining, um, you know, about how we're being treated, well, again, this is a prime example of someone that should not be in uniform, and maybe it's just time for them just to retire early. 
Uh, Larry, again, when we walk through these things, uh, we, we, I remember uh, uh, when there was a private Facebook uh, group that was busted and all of these cops from around the country were using racist language and all kinds of different uh, crazy and wild things. I mean, these are people who are supposedly there to protect and serve us, and then the people wonder why black folks don't trust cops. She went with the blaming on hip-hop defense. So I'm, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is not the first time she said N-word. She's pretty comfortable saying it. So she should, I, I agree with your point, Roland. She should, should, be, should be fired. And to all the law and order folks out there and folks who, you know, talk about three strikes, you know, she should not be on the force. She's had multiple incidents, particularly, you know, turning off your body camera and some of the other domestic issues and some of the other issue challenges she's had. The other point that I think is important, Roland, she's been involved in training other officers. And we've seen this when you look at issues when the Department of Justice is going to various jurisdictions, including Baltimore, among others, that these officers who are training other officers are continuing this culture of viewing black and brown communities as less than. So we have to get people like this off the force. We and certainly can't make sure they're involved in training, training uh, new officers. But once again, she certainly can't use the uh, blame it on hip hop defense, which I find comical. But once again, this is we see a lot of this throughout the throughout the United States in terms of uh, various jurisdictions. And we can't allow these kind of law enforcement officers to be on the streets because undoubtedly what they're doing is they're harming black and brown communities. Uh, well, uh, check this out. In North Carolina, an entire police force has quit because they say they don't like the new black city manager. Uh, in a letter to the uh, city manager, Justine Jones, in Kinley, North Carolina, uh, Kinley's police chief and four officers, uh, they say they are out. Uh, they have, of course, uh, been with the department for 21 years. Uh, uh, in a letter to Jones, uh, this individual here, folks, uh, is pretty uh, laughable here. Um, uh, talked about the department's growth. Also said he did not see making more progress as long as Jones was the town manager. And this is the police chief here. Uh, and he claimed that since she took over, the environment changed uh, there. Um, this is uh, Chief uh, John Josh, uh, Josh Gibson. Uh, of course, in addition to the four officers, the assistant town manager and the key clerk Key clerk also resigned in protest of Jones's hiring. She's been on the job for about a month. The Johnson County Sheriff's Office will pick up the slack in response to the resignation. The State Highway Patrol in uh, Johnson County will assist as well. The town is left with three part-time officers to run the department. Jones has yet to comment on the situation. What do you make of this, Larry? It's ridiculous. I mean, she's been on the job for a month. And, you know, it's interesting to hear, you know, the letter you read and, and I had a chance to, re to read the article in terms of, you know, the, the change of, of environment, the feeling uncomfortable. Imagine how she feels, certainly if she's the only black woman or among a few number of black women who are trying to, you know, meet, meet the needs of the town. But the fact that they, they've resigned, it, it just make, it make it, it doesn't add up. And like I said, especially she's only been on the, you know, in the job for a few weeks. But once again, this is the issues that black folks, particularly black women, have to deal with in the workplace. I think that's really what we should really focus on, the challenges, like I said, that black women have to mm -hmm. deal with. And individuals like this and examples like this just highlight, like I said, some of the toxic um, workplaces that black women have to work with. And we should support the sister. Maybe you can get her on the show. Um, I know she hasn't come out with a comment, like you said, but maybe you get her on her show to talk a little bit about her side of the story. 
But once again, this is just individuals getting in their feelings because someone um, who doesn't look like them comes in with some authority. Well, I'll say this here, Teresa. Um, this is one of those moments where she should be talking. Um, I, I get you have personal issues, uh, but every sort of that I've seen, she has not talked of whatsoever. Uh, this is one where I do think it's important for her to communicate um, uh, what she's had to deal with and really what's going on in this town. I'm sure. And even with a month's work of her being in that position, um, it's likely she went in with an iron fist. It's likely that she came out and said very clearly, um, you know, what you're used to is not going to be the same. We are actually going to do some changes and reforms. And, you know, it, I'm, honestly, yes, I think she should come out. I think the messaging needs to be very clear about how she wants to restructure the office. And anybody else that wants to leave who plans on doing traditional practices, they have to leave, too. So, yeah, it is time to clean house. So she's in there to, um, you know, ultimately, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to what her statement has to say, because she looks like she's there to do business. Um, you know, the article was very clear um, and, and when she was brought in to be the town manager that she was very uh, interested in cleaning up that city. And again, if some individuals feel like they don't want to be a part of the program or they don't like, you know, the color of her skin or they don't like that she is a, a black woman that is overseeing them and what they're doing, then yes, it is time to go put your retirement papers in and we thank you for your service. Uh, well, and, and told Run Bamanas is here. She's only been there a month. Uh, clearly, you got some people who are not happy with a new management style because they probably uh, uh, uncomfortable with somebody who's probably holding them accountable. You know, when I first heard about this story, the first thing that came to my mind, and Roland and the doctor probably can back me up on this, there's an old movie called Blazing Saddles where this country town um, gets a black sheriff. It's in the Old West. And when he rides in the town, the whole town basically either collapses or falls out or they take off running. And it seems like this is a live-action version of that. Um, there, is, there is this thing that happens in America, and it's embedded in Americans, America's DNA, where you have certain white people, and we just got to be honest with this, who have a serious issue with anybody black and in a position of authority over them. The idea of it scares them to death. And a lot of them cannot take it. And I think that's what you see in this case. You see people who are used to having, again, like this other officer we spoke about earlier, having the power to arrest, having the power to imprison, having the power of life and death over a community. And when somebody comes in who's a reformer who says, I'm going to clean that up, they're automatically going to get nervous and some people are going to leave or they're going to make a statement like this. And then when you factor in the fact that this is a black person and a black woman, this is something that black people in positions of authority in the workplace and executive positions in legislative positions, in pretty much any position where you have authority that had to deal with on one extreme to another. And I think we need to go a little bit further. I know she hasn't made a statement yet, but I think sometimes the best statement you can make is action. And I think what has to happen also, every officer that left, there needs to be a review of every case that they've had a, had a hand in. Why are they leaving? What are they afraid of? It can't just be this one black woman. What are they trying to run away from? That needs to be investigated. Uh, indeed. All right, folks, got to go to a quick break. We come back from the Jack Robertson Museum. We'll hear from a former Attorney General Eric Holder, Billie Jean King, also a journalist Bill Roden about the opening of the Jack Robertson Museum here in New York City. We are broadcasting live from the museum and we'll be back in a moment on the Black Star Network.
coffee to me is the exact same feeling uh, as running water, ever flowing. Water always finds a way to get through. And so when you know that you're sexy, uh, there are no questions about it. It is an ever flowing emotion, it is an ever flowing feeling. Mm -hmm. When you question it though, you stop the water. Mm. I, I actually, I struggle with this a lot, mainly because I've been told what sexy should look like, what it should feel like. As a model who did Sports Illustrated, you're told that this is what sells sexy, but then you travel the world and what's sexy to one person is not sexy to another person. Um, I'm more of a mindfuck kind of person. Uh, how can you, how can you stimulate the brain? Mm -hmm. To me, that's, that's sexy. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Israel Houghton with Israel and New Breed. Hi, I'm Carl Payne. Hey, everybody, this is Sherry Shepard. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered, and while he's doing Unfiltered, I'm practicing the wobble. I am. Because Roland Martin's the one, he will do it backwards, he will do it on the side. He messes everybody up when he gets into the wobble because he doesn't know how to do it, so he does it backwards. And it messes me up every single time. So I'm working on it. I got it. You got Roland Martin. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare.
Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon Serum. This next-generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty System for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On-demand, tempt to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Folks, we are here in New York City today. Uh, the Jackie Robinson Museum opened uh, here. Uh, that there is a replica of Ebbetsfield where Jackie Robinson played. Uh, it is an unbelievable museum that tells his entire life story growing up in Cairo, Georgia, going to UCLA, becoming an All-American athlete, lettering in four sports. Uh, and baseball actually was the worst out of the four sports. Uh, then, of course, it talks about uh, that career, five months in the Negro Leagues, going to the major leagues, and then, of course, uh, his uh, life after that, a corporate executive, uh, of course, NAACP, freedom fighter, role in politics, education, all of those things. Boy, one hell of a life for a Jackie Robinson uh, who passed away in 1972, the age of 53. This museum uh, is breathtaking in explaining uh, all that he is about. Uh, there were a number of people, folks, uh, who were here today uh, who were, of course, uh, focused on uh, celebrating his life and life uh, and that, of course. Uh, and let's start with one, Eric Holder, uh, who was the um, former attorney general. I had a chance to catch up with him. Uh, and here is Attorney General Holder. Get you at the house? See, uh, every now and again, I get to, uh, you know, go on my own. I got a limited, I got a limited pass here, so I'll be, right, I'll right. Be, you got a few hall passes for the year. There we go. This is one of them. Jackie Robinson opening. This is this is this is this is a good hall pass. Uh, so why was it important for you to physically be here to witness something that I think is long in the making, um, but is also long overdue? Uh, to recognize, uh, in some ways, a, a second founding father. I mean, his 
his contribution to the United States is not to integrate baseball. Uh, he changed the nation for the better, along with, uh, with Rachel Robinson. And to be here to celebrate the two of them was, uh, was important for me. Uh, I said uh, last couple of days that what Rachel Robinson has done since his death 50 years ago um, is very similar to what Coretta Scott King did, and that is really not allowing that legacy to die away. Uh, and that we can't talk about honoring these two individuals, these two great men, if you don't uh, honor the two women who made sure that legacy was really cemented. Right. No, that's exactly right. What they have done is to keep the dream alive um, and to make people understand in this day that their contributions that their husbands made in the past have to be honored, have to be followed so that we have uh, a better future. And you think about, you know, Rachel Robinson, uh, you know, the widow of Dr. King, the widow of Malcolm X. Um, these are all widows of freedom fighters. And these are women who've kept, you know, their memories alive. And they were freedom fighters, too. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You wouldn't have those men without those women. As, and, and, people and, remember. Well, Andrew Young, we interviewed, when I interviewed him, he said, he said, oh, let's be real clear. He said, the women made us do what we did. He said, that wasn't all us. No. I mean, to be the first in 1947, you couldn't be the only. It had to be with a partner, and he had the extraordinary Rachel Robinson at his side. Uh, what I love about uh, this museum, it is not a baseball museum. I mean, it really walks you through uh, the totality of who Jackie Robinson was. No, that's exactly right. Um, he's way bigger than baseball. This museum is way bigger than baseball. And that's the context that I think people who come here um, will leave with. A great baseball player, you know, a pioneer in, in baseball but a pioneer um, and a great American, you know, who changed the nation. Well, when you think about uh, history, I mean, look, uh, you know, position that you were in uh, as first black attorney general. Uh, and then when we think about, uh, you know, that, 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 that responsibility, they're serving the first black president. Um, it's always difficult uh, for the first, uh, but the reality is uh, you have to make sure that you're not the last. Oh, that's exactly right, and that's what uh, I think is so important about Jackie. He certainly made possible the integration of the Dodgers in baseball, brought more black players to the Dodgers, but then talked about the need for uh, greater black participation in baseball and then greater participation by African Americans um, in, in business and a whole range of other things, uh, you know, in, including electoral politics. I mean, he, you know, this was a guy. <laughs> who focus on America and its issues, not simply in sports, but it's in, in its entirety. And we'll see what I appreciate uh, is he did not hold his tongue for his book. He spoke it in real time to Richard Nixon, uh, to Barry Goldwater, to his criticism of Roy Wilkins leading the NAACP. Uh, and so he was not someone who just sort of shied away, again, revealing these thoughts in the book. No, no, no. He was on the front lines with his perspectives. Oh, that's exactly right. He was never a person to hold his tongue, whether it was, you know, refusing to go to a back of a bus when he was uh, when he's in the Army, all the way, you know, to, uh, to his later years. And he is uh, an example. If you're going to be the first, you can't lose your voice in the process. And he never did. Right. I think I think that's 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 what jumps out. And what's still what's still crazy to me is that this is a brother who I'm trying to think when when Sidney Poitier and I talked, he said, uh, I appreciate you because you have no backup. I was like, whoa, I said that was strong. 
for so for this brother to be so hardcore who didn't take nothing off anybody but to take all of that to be the first that that juxtaposition is just crazy oh that's exactly right i mean you see him in that first year when he was told he couldn't respond but then you see the real Jackie Robinson from year two and on and uh, the fiery person that he was and the fiery person that he remained throughout his life. And he died too soon. Yep. Uh, and you think about all the contributions that he might have been able to make. Oh, oh Spike, Spike said point blank. He said having to hold all of that in, he said that contributes to breaking down your body. I think that's absolutely right. I, I think that especially that first year, um, that shortened his life. That'd be my guess. Um, but you know what? He packed a lot of impact into that uh, that too short life. He's uh, he's still with us. He's still with us. Right. That's what uh, what Andrew Young once said. He said, "No, Dr. King is physically not here." He said, "But he's being discussed every day somewhere around the world." He said, "That's when you know you're still here." And I think that certainly applies to Jackie Robbins. That's absolutely right. Um, he is. He's not just 1947. He's 2022. He'll be 2122. He'll be. People will be talking about him um, as long as there is an America. All right. Always good to see you. Uh, get a plug in for the book. All right. We got to sell that book. Our unfinished march. It's a history of the vote in the United States of America, but it's really about our fight for democracy that is ongoing. Now, see, his wife made sure to say, uh, "Look, get that book out there." <laughs> see, it. and see, I, I, I always listen to the wives. This is why I love this man. You know? <laughs> Sharon, he made me do it. Appreciate it, baby. Right, Appreciate it. That was, uh, that was, of course, uh, my man Eric Holder. Uh, he is always, um, you know, doing what he does. So we're always uh, having way too much fun uh, chatting with each, each other. Uh, he wasn't the only person who was here. Had opportunity, folks, uh, to catch up. Uh, with one of uh, the greatest tennis players of all time. Uh, she has been very much involved uh, in fighting for uh, civil rights, uh, fighting for human rights, for LGBT rights, uh, you name it. She has been on the, on the forefront uh, of sports uh, for a very long time. Uh, she was here uh, taking photos, uh, uh, having her presence felt. Uh, it was uh, uh, great to see her chatting up on the front row uh, with Spike Lee. Uh, of course, uh, he is a huge, huge sports fan, and I'm talking about, of course, uh, tennis great uh, Billy Jean King had an opportunity uh, to um, uh, to catch up with her uh, to get her thoughts uh, on the opening of this museum. And here it is. Been waiting for this day for a long time. So happy for Rachel. Uh, just turned 100 a few days ago, and she's here to celebrate the cut of the ribbon. But it's about.
to appreciate the kids who are getting the scholarships. I think that's really important that, and that his legacy will truly live on with Rachel's idea of having the Jackie Robinson Museum. All right, here we go. Folks, if you saw, if you read the book, A $40 Million Slave, of course, many people uh, read that uh, amazing book. Bill Roden, a longtime columnist for the New York Times, uh, of course, uh, he also is a um, Hall of Famer for the National Association of Black Journalists. Uh, Bill Roden, well known uh, in the sports field. Uh, we got a chance to catch up with him uh, today inside of this museum. He talked about uh, this museum and how Jackie Robinson uh, is so important to American history. Here's our conversation. Roden, uh, just your, your initial thoughts on you being able to see this Jackie Robinson Museum. Man, it's just so wonderful, Roland, that this is here. You know, I remember I was here, maybe the last time I really had a long interview with Rachel Robinson was here in 2009. Uh, Obama had just been inaugurated. We were over the moon about that. And this was her dream. Her dream there, she thought it was going to be maybe 2010. But what I learned about man, Rachel Robinson, I heard you talk about Jackie's determination. Man, this woman is the determination and the, and the patience of Joe. I mean, once she sets her mind on something, this is this. I mean, she 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 raised almost like thirty-five million dollars to get this done. So I'm just so happy and proud. And you know, and, and you know yourself, Roland, by being in this business. Self-definition is what it's all about. You cannot have anybody else defining your story. You know, I'm I'm sorry, every every black person should have a museum to tell your story. Well, that's why I mean, you know, I I always quote the nation's first black newspaper, Freedom's Journal, yeah. which said on March 16, 1827, we wish to plead our own cause. Right. Too yeah. long have others spoken for us. Exactly. That's all it's about, man. I mean, you know, you can talk all you want about Jackie Robinson and all that, but once you come in here, you see it, how Rachel wants to tell the story, you know, how he wants to tell the story. That's what's so beautiful about this. And I'm hoping, like, a lot of young people will come here and not just get into the history, but how does this history relate to me? You know, I mean, this woman just turned 100 years old. Well, that's why I think it's awesome when they were walking me through. Uh, at the end here, they have three screens where you have to pick what your commitment is. And then you put in your your name, your email, and your zip code uh, in there. So, so the challenge is, okay, you went through all of this here. Now what are you going to do? Exactly. And that, that, to me, is the beauty of this for a young person. Because, as, as you know, as you get older, you got to figure out, what do I stand for? What do I stand for? And when you look at this guy's life, what's his favorite saying? A life has no meaning except the impact it has on other people. And that's what this is all about, man. So I think the, the, what I'm happy about is that this is basically for young people. I mean, I know uh, old heads are there, but this is basically for young people to wake up. But also I think I, I, do, I do also believe there is value uh, for old heads as well. Because what this museum does is it, it also wakes you up. If you haven't done the history, right, you don't right, right, understanding, all of a sudden they're going to be like, oh, I didn't know that. Right. I didn't know right. that. I didn't know that. Exactly. Exactly. In, in other words, you're talking about not reinventing the wheel, you know, because for a lot of young people, probably me and you too, you think that what you did was like the first time it happened. And you look at this stuff and you say, oh, man, like you said, I didn't realize this. I mean, and, and, and history is real. You know, history is now. So that's why I'm just so, I'm just so happy uh, and proud 
that this thing is here. Now the challenge for all of us is to make sure that, you know, another 50 years is going to be here and growing and, you know, and all that. Now, now, now what I hope, I hope, because we saw this, a lot of professional teams, they would, um, they would uh, visit the uh, National Museum of African American History in D.C., I would hope, you know, all sports leagues, but definitely when baseball teams come to New York to play the Yankees and the Mets, that their teams, that they would make a concerted effort to come by this museum. It's conscious. You know, and, 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 and the thing is, that might be a good Bill Roden column. <laughs> Yet another one you give me, another idea. It's all about love. We stealing back and forth. Yes, That's a hell of an idea. Yes, sir. I said, I'm, 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 who, who, whose idea is that? Well, you know, too many people to know, but you know, you know who you are. <laughs> you know, but you know, the thing I was thinking about, it's not necessarily that point, but the, the beauty of, 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 of history is that, you know, for example, when we were here in 2009, Rachel and I, and we were just ecstatic about Barack becoming the first black president. We had no idea that Barack was going to lead to Donald Trump. You know, we had no idea that that would happen. Then we didn't know that that was going to lead to having the first black, you know, uh, vice, uh, you know, vice president. So I guess my point is that history is an ebb and flow. You know, it, it you know, it's, it's this, it's that, and all. It's, it's about. You're never sitting down and resting on your laurels. I'm sure that when Jackie desegregated Major League Baseball, the hope is that there would be, like, hundreds of black folks coming into Major League Baseball. I'm sure if he was alive now, he'd say, damn, what, 3%? And we still only have, like, two black managers? You know, so it's kind of like the struggle really does continue. Well, yeah. as you were talking, I'm literally reading that quote, I'm proud to be black. I'm also embattled because I'm black. Yeah, absolutely. Well, remember his thing. I mean, one of the profound things about Jackie Robinson, how he self-corrected. Remember uh, when he was a rookie, uh, they had him testify against Paul Robeson. And he did. But at the end of his life, in his book, he wrote, he said, you know, he basically said, I made a mistake. I didn't realize then if, 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 if they asked me to do it now, I wouldn't do it because I didn't realize the destructiveness of the white man. And if asked to do it now, I wouldn't do it because I, I know that. Paul Robeson was just about his people. And that's the beauty about, you know, he, he, he endorsed Nixon over Kennedy because he thought Nixon was more, uh, had, had, had black folks' interests at heart. And when he realized that wasn't true, he self-corrected. So that, that's the beautiful thing about Jackie Robinson. He also self-corrected. You know, I love, love that about him. So, oh man, this is just, uh, for all the reasons we've talked about, this is just, a, but the biggest thing is that the struggle about this museum is that the struggle continues. It's never over, man. This stuff will never be over. That's it. Well, always good to see you, fellow NABJ Hall of Famer, Bill Roden. Good to see you, baby. You're the best. Uh, All right. Appreciate it. Right. We're joined now uh, by uh, Keith Shockley. He is a uh, founding member of Public Enemy. Keith, uh, your thoughts about uh, the Jack Robinson Museum? This is incredible. I've been to a lot of museums, and this right here, tells the whole story of not just sports, but of life. And, you know, Jackie... Just hold that microphone a little bit closer. There you I'm go. sorry. And I should know that. Yeah, you should know that. <laughs> I should know that. Um, and as, you know, Jackie Robinson's been a huge influence on me, Chuck, Flav, my brother Hank, Eric, and all of us, um, why we wrote the songs that we wrote. Um, and being here, and the way this is put together, man, you know, 
it's kind of been a little bit better than the African Museum, <laughs> and we're in the African Museum, so this is kind of this is kind of great, and it's a great place to be in Manhattan. You know, I know some people might well, it should have been in Brooklyn, and, and, and nope, right here, where everybody needs to come by and see this, even from tourist side and everything. And right here is a perfect space. Uh, first of all, we're not far at all uh, from uh, the Financial District, World yes. Trade Center. Yeah. Uh, and so, I mean, you're right. I mean, the, if people to be able to come here, uh, and the Wilson was attraction. And as I said, the Bill Road, and I really hope these yeah. uh, professional sports teams make a pilgrimage uh, to come here. They, they should make a program. And this should go into the metaverse, because this is where the younger kids in there can understand this in a whole nother level, because they got a piece in there with the stadium that's kind of metaverse-ish. Mm -hmm. Peace and it is and it's, it's, it's dope. It's dope, and I've never seen that before. And I'm kind of really versed in, you know, in technology. But this is this is a great situation, a great place. Um, right, right. I think it's right in the middle of everybody where they can get to it real quickly. It's right over the bridge from the from the Brooklyn Bridge, Manhattan Bridge, and it's really dope. All right, then. Well, yeah. Keith, we certainly appreciate it, man. Thank you. Thanks pleasure. for sharing your thoughts, Doc. Oh, man, thank you. It's a I pleasure meeting you. Yes, pleasure sir. I appreciate you. it. Thanks a bunch. All right. Uh, I'm going to uh, get our panel who's here. Also, I'm seeing uh, folks uh, doing a tour right now. Uh, the U.N. ambassador, the United, United Nations. Uh, she's waving. Come on over. Come say hey. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. <laughs> uh, uh, Linda Thomas Greenfield, she is uh, uh, getting a tour of here right now. I'm going to go back to my panel, uh, Teresa uh, Torun, as well as Larry. Uh, for, all, for all three of you here, uh, you, know, you know, this is um, uh, paying homage to uh, Jackie Robinson. And again, as, as I've been saying and we've been expressing, uh, the beauty of this, this is not solely about baseball. And I think that one of the mistakes that we make is that we only limit uh, our sports figures to just what they did on the sports field, uh, but the ability for them to be able uh, to showcase all of Jackie Robinson. Larry, I think that's what is so significant. Yes, yeah, so you, you talked about not only in terms of the importance, its importance to baseball, but also corporate America. And also, you know, we heard the, the last segment in terms of him, politics in terms of, you know, Jackie self-correcting um, throughout his lifetime. But he played a critical role in, in not, say, not only integrating baseball, but in terms, like you say, integrating uh, corporate America and also being a role model. We heard this in terms of being a role model for, you heard the, uh, the mayors talk about this role model, not only for the black community, but particularly for black men. And, you know, it, I think it's really important, Roland, you highlighted it. it's important for, you know, Major League Baseball teams, not just Major League Baseball teams, but teams in general. When they come to New York City, that they should visit uh, the museum because it's really important. And, you know, Jackie kind of epitomizes in terms of the intersection of, of like racism, um, sports and also economic, economics and also obviously politics. So it's really important that athletes of today visit the museum, support it financially. And also the important to remember that there, you know, all the sacrifices he made, his family made, but there's still a long way to go. You heard we you last segment you talked about segment four last you talked about forty million dollars slaves and that's a really important book and in terms of like I said athletes understanding what their civic and political responsibility is and Jackie Robinson epitomized that. Also want to note that you know for years I used to attend I used to attend the Jackie Robinson Jazz Fest in Connecticut I you know heard the mayor talk about that previously so 
in terms of the foundation and the work as uh, as Widow's been doing, it, they have been for years making sure the students have scholarships, can attend college. But Jackie Robinson's legacy is so important. And you said it, it, it's beyond what he did in terms of the ingredient base. Good. Oh, I'm just sitting here live on the air to see that. Yeah, that's why I like waving to you. You can say a couple of words. <laughs> Y'all, that was, of course, the uh, ambassador to the United Nations uh, who literally behind me. I was chatting with her, uh, trying to get on, get her over here uh, to say a few words about the museum. But uh, she's uh, she's getting her tour right now. Uh, uh, Teresa, um, uh, there's a block party tomorrow, Teresa. Uh, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m., uh, a number of schools are going to be coming here through here. Young people coming through here. Uh, Della Britton said that they plan on having a lot of seminars, workshops, things along those lines here, because they really want the next generation uh, to understand that Jackie Robinson was more than just number 42. And this is a great opportunity for our young people to have this historical experience. I mean, listen, what's being taught, you know, in public schools is that Jackie Robinson is a bas uh, basketball, whoo, a baseball player. This is what happens in public schools. Well, no, but, but not, 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 not. He was, he did play basketball at UCLA, played football, ran track, uh, okay. but professionally, baseball player. Professionally, yes. Um, so, yeah, with the upgraded textbooks, yes, they did tell us <laughs> that um, he, he was most notably a baseball player. But, yes, Jackie Robinson, you know, is a pillar in this community. He was part of the civil rights movement. And I think when students are, you know, coming in to, to really get a, an exciting experience about um, Jackie Robinson, his accomplishments and um, how, you know, uh, how even being on the team and what he had to go through in order to even be on the team, um, and to, to have, you know, um, what, you know, Jackie Robinson was as a businessman and as a leader, I think those were, uh, are the type of um, uh, pillars that um, young people need to see, especially in today's age. We need to pe see people that look like us. They need to know why we're proud, why we're um, African-American and why, why we, you know, play the sport or why, um, you know, we decide to um, be a part of any type of movement. Right. So I think it is about more than the athlete. And I think this museum will give, you know, again, young people and older adults an opportunity to share in the experiences and hopefully take it back to our communities. Uh, to run, Jackie Robinson understood black economics. He was a chair of the board of a black bank uh, in Harlem. They, uh, he understood what that meant. He understood being in corporate America, being the first corporate uh, vice president, the role that that played. Uh, and so, uh, again, one of those athletes who said this can't just be about sports, uh, that black advancement is also about black economics. That's absolutely correct. And I think it's really good that the museum is focusing on Jackie Robinson, the man, aside from Jackie Robinson, the image and the civil rights icon and the athlete. Because if you, um, I think I think the general public has an idea of what Jackie Robinson is, and it's so iconic. And I think that happens with a lot of our heroes because we see the images of them, but we don't look at them as total human beings. And this is a man, as you, as you, as we said on your former segment, um, a man who was a business person, a man who was conflicted in a lot of ways, a man who was also militant before he even stepped on a baseball diamond. This is a man who pushed back against the military in 1944 because he refused to move to the back of a military bus while he was serving his country. He went to court martial and was acquitted. 
And if you think about the chance he took even going that far to stand up for himself in 1944 when there was nobody else around him to defend that, that takes a lot of courage. And if you talk about business, I think that's something that we are starting to talk about again as a culture, because if you look at the state of black people before um, 1964, even though we were dealing with segregation and Jim Crow, there was a very strong <laughs> economic mindset. And there was a very strong um, survival streak that was tied through economics and business. And I think for him to move out of being an athlete, to move into business, was a reflection of that. Because you wouldn't, because every if you grew up in the, in the neighborhoods at that time, there were always people who had their own businesses, from newspapers to clothing to everything to music that we all controlled. And that was all black and that was all black owned. So being a factor on the field, being a factor is serving. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon. Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. 
With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. The country, to be an effective for your community and business is very important. And it was beautiful that this museum shows all those aspects of that. Um, we talk about this, this idea of telling our own story. <coughs> <clears throat> that to me is also uh, what is critical here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Some 450 artifacts. Again, as I said, uh, just to uh, our left, uh, his uh, military uniform, um, the different documents, his actual uh, first contract, the presidential medal of freedom. All these things are in here. And and and, and yes, you have the Smithsonian uh, Museum, the National Museum of African American History. That's in Washington D.C. And one of the things, Larry, that, uh, that, uh, that, and I'm actually working on a concept uh, for a show in the Black Star Network, so uh, hopefully we can get a, a travel sponsor for this. But we've traveled all around the country. And Jackie Robinson uh, dealt with racism there in Sanford, Florida, right outside of Orlando, where Trayvon Martin was killed. Uh, and there's a museum there dedicated to those, uh, to a, a, a black couple that were freedom fighters there whose house was firebombed. Uh, and both were killed as a result. Uh, if you go to Augusta, Georgia, there's a uh, Harriet Tubman uh, Museum there. Obviously, the Negro Leagues Museum uh, in Kansas City. We can go, you have the, the, the new um, uh, Black History Museum that's going to be opening in January in Charleston, South Carolina. Uh, we could go all around this country. You've got uh, your Black Museum in Detroit. You've got um, your African uh, museum uh, that is there uh, in Dallas. Uh, you, I mean, so we can go on and on and on. And so um, it, it's important that our history is, an Amer- is, a, is indeed American history. And it needs to be uh, far and wide. And we should be very supportive of that. The Underground Railroad uh, Museum is located there in Cincinnati. And so uh, we, we think about Civil Rights Museum it's there in Birmingham, and then you talk about Montgomery, the lynching museum uh, that just opened up, and the Equal Justice Institute. Uh, there's, there's a Rosa Parks uh, museum that's there in Troy, uh, Alabama. We can just go on and on and on. All of those are vital for us to understand and to know our history. And so I always make a point, Larry, of when, when, when I'm going places and there are statues to African Americans, there are busts to African Americans, there are museums of visiting those places so other folks know what exists out here that's our people, our culture. Yeah, the points you highlighted for a moment are important. I, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, and I remember, you know, frequently going to the museum in Philadelphia. And so it's really important what you had, the point you made about telling our story. First of all, our story is uniquely American with all the challenges. But you, you know, all the museums you highlighted are also, you know, Part of, like I said, the, the black experience of struggle in the United States and obviously overcoming them in many of those struggles. But we do need to tell you our own story. That's why your show is so important, having black folks like us on the show to, t- to talk about these issues, Jackie Robinson's museum, et cetera. But, you know, if we don't tell our story the way it should be told, then what we see throughout U.S. history is that people twist it 
and shape it the way they want to. When we talk about historical figures like Jackie Robinson or, or Dr. King, people only want to highlight, they only want to utilize certain quotes that fit their agenda. But they don't want to talk about when Jackie Robinson, for instance, talked about, um, you know, as a black man in terms of how he feels about the Pledge of Allegiance. Or in Dr. King, when he, throughout the Civil Rights Movement, when he offers uh, a critique to white supremacy. So it's really important, once again, when you talk about traveling to these different cities and, you know, collecting these archival data and interviewing these various individuals like you did in today's um, various segments, is that we, once again, we tell our own story um, and tell it, tell it truthfully, even though many, many times it could be painful. But like I said, it is our experiences uniquely American as people of African descent in the United States. And, and Teresa, um, you know, and, and, I, and I use this quote over and over and over again. Freedom's Journal, March 16th, 1827, uh, here in New York, the first black newspaper. We wish to plead our own cause. Too long have others spoken for us. Uh, this is a museum that Rachel Robinson wanted created uh, as a monument to her husband, Jackie Robinson. This is their story. Uh, and it's told through the eyes of African Americans. They don't shy away from it. Uh, and Jackie Robinson and this is critically important with this museum, cannot and should not be treated as some bobblehead figure of the same way we sort of think about Dr. King today, how people want to strip him of his radicalness. The reality is you see the radicalness of uh, Jackie Robinson. I mean, I'm looking right here, and they have the year 1966, uh, and then they have information on here, uh, Officer Candace School, Robinson and Paul Robeson, 761st Tank Battalion, voting rights, disillusioned the independent. And so it's it, it and so they're not shying away from where Jackie Robinson became disillusioned. I'm literally reading it uh, where it says by the late 1960s, Robinson expressed disillusionment over the civil rights movement's slow results. Segregation remained, as did discrimination in hiring, income, housing, and health care. Black soldiers returning from Vietnam, including his son, Jack Jr., were traumatized. Uh, from combat shunned by Americans who largely disapproved of the war and deprived of adequate resources to facilitate a return to everyday life. These combined circumstances contributed to a sense of hopelessness. However, Robinson's interactions with young people offered him optimism for the future. They are not trying uh, to uh, sugarcoat this thing. And they shouldn't. You know, the, the basis of uh, black and brown stories uh, is our history. Um, it's it's unfortunate that we had to go through so much in order to get the, get to the independence um, and the celebrity, you know, that most were able to attain. But there are so many other leaders that are just unknown in African-American history. And part of it is because we don't have people telling our stories. So, again, you know, this is another great opportunity. This is another moment in history where we are now not only, you know, seeing it in print, but we are visually getting the opportunity to know who is Jackie Robinson, who is number 42, and, and his legacy does live on. So, again, you know, there's no reason why there's only one Jackie Robinson Museum only in one city. There shouldn't be a reason why there is a, only one uh, Rosa Parks <coughs> Museum in one city. But the basis of this, you know, is part of American history where, you know, we have to figure out the um, ways to communicate. And sometimes it is step by step. 
and piece by piece. But I think ultimately, you know, by having these museums, we are opening the dialogues. We are um, opening the opportunity for conversations to provide solution, solutions of progress and opportunities for next generations to do better. Um, Jackie Robinson, uh, first of all, folks, if you don't realize, uh, was a uh, founding member of 100 Black Men. Uh, earlier today, um, Hosani Pratt, uh, she is uh, with the National Urban League. Uh, I got a chance uh, to catch up with her, and she shared her thoughts uh, with us about uh, this museum. And uh, so before I go to Torun, uh, I do want to uh, just share with you uh, what she had to say. Test of one, two. We good? All right, for the purpose of the editor, just give me a correct spelling, uh, first name, last name, title. Hi, Hassani Pratt, H-A-S-O-N-I, last name P-R-A-T-T-S, senior advisor to Mark Moriel, National Urban League, and a Brooklyn resident. Oh, so as a Brooklyn resident, uh, you must have a particular feeling about the opening of this museum? Absolutely. Well, I have a particular feeling about Jackie Robinson and all the Jackie Robinson did. If you think about Jackie Robinson being at UCLA lettering in four different sports and all the barriers and all the barricades that were put in front of him and he chose to just persevere and continue to go forward and his efforts in the civil rights movement are very clear in this museum. What his wife, uh, Mrs. Rachel Robinson, has done today is an incredible testament to the perseverance, to the dedication and the commitment to equal rights and justice for black people and black people across the diaspora. What Jackie Robinson did and what he continued to do throughout his entire life was about unselfish leadership to the um, equity of our people and to make sure that my children now have the opportunity to be able to go to walk in any place any hotel, any school, and have all kinds of rights and opportunities. And I am absolutely grateful today for this museum here. And I just asked the youth program director if she could work with me to bring the students from Megaverse Preparatory College High School to come here to see their history, to understand where they come from, and how significant it is that we continue to let this not only the dream of Jackie Robinson, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, all that came before them, that this is for them and for them to continue on that legacy. So today I stand here as a proud, I think, part of his legacy as someone who uh, went to an HBCU, went to an Ivy League school because of Jackie Robinson. That's the reason why I am who I am today, because of all that he did for our people. All right, then. Well, we certainly appreciate it. Knock it out in one fell swoop. Uh, I, don't, I don't have I don't have anything else to like say. You you got to just come to this museum. That's what I would say to you. You must come to this museum. This is worth every single bit of your time. When you come to New York City, come to this corner here on Alpha Canal and walk into this place so you can be inspired. Cool. All right. I appreciate Thank it. Thank you. Good to see right. you. Likewise. Thanks a bunch. All right. Make sure make sure. Uh, All right, folks. Um, Okay, folks, uh, to run, um, uh, that, uh, that, 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 that perspective there, um, uh, again, uh, and, I, and I really hope people appreciate um, <clears throat> with the, I, 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 see, I'm sort of thinking about King. You know, so many people 
focus on his 63 speech. So they act like nothing happened between 63 and 68 when he was assassinated. Um, and, you know, Jackie Robinson retires. And, and it really is one hell of a story. When you think about when he left, uh, when he left Major League Baseball, uh, and, he, and people forget he was traded from the Dodgers to the Giants, uh, but he did not want to play with them. He leaked, he leaked to the media uh, the trade uh, and never played for them. Uh, and, and, and he really was hell-bent on making sure to drive uh, equality and freedom for black people uh, after his playing days were over. And I hope that is a lesson uh, to athletes today. When you look at what uh, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, look at a lot of these guys are doing uh, within business, they are preparing themselves for the day when they're no longer playing sports. And Jackie Robinson was a forerunner to that. Yeah. Um, I went to school with a lot of guys who were very um, athletic. You know, they played football, um, they played basketball. They had some sort of skill set in that way. And some of them went to college and some of them, a couple of them went to the pros. Unfortunately, with a lot of our folks, man, who do that, they put so much effort into this, into their physical skill that when they lead that sport or when they're forced to lead that sport, they have nothing else. And I think that kind of ties into what you're talking about with people like Jackie Robinson and either people who we hold up as iconic figures like King or Malcolm X. We get this idea of them in our heads, and it's sort of like this black and white static idea of who these people are, and it doesn't do anything for who they are as human beings, and it doesn't, you don't get a full spectrum of who they are after they leave what we know them to be. You know, you say Jackie moved into, did, did a lot of things behind the scenes in business. He did a lot of things while he was a player to try to move equality and move the needle for other black people. And I think that's something that has to be addressed as well. we got to get out of this idea that the people who we know that are household names, who are iconic figures, are sort of like these static statues that don't move. These are human beings. They were flesh and blood people. They dealt with a lot of things that people like us don't may not even have to deal with. And they dealt with those things, so hopefully we wouldn't have to deal with that, even though we are still dealing with a lot of those issues that we dealt with at that time. But I think it's important to say that these are people who were one fully multidimensional people. They did a lot of things outside of what we know them for, to make things a little bit better for us today. And I think, and I hope the museum is moving into those areas. And I hope we think about other people who we hold as iconic figures in that way as well. Uh, indeed, indeed. All right, folks, uh, we got to go to a break. We come back, uh, marketplace segment. Uh, we'll talk with uh, a, uh, a business owner in Houston uh, about what they're doing, uh, provide uh, goods from Africa to their customers. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered, broadcasting live from the Jack Robinson Museum here on the Black Star Network, back in a moment. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER.
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melon serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position, warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Pastor Jackie Hood Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We're all impacted by the culture, whether we know it or not. From politics to music and entertainment, it's a huge part of our lives. And we're going to talk about it every day right here on The Culture with me, Faraji Muhammad, only on the Black Star Network. I'm Chrisette Michelle. Hi, I'm Chaley Rose, and you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered.
A Houston-based business has found a way to provide goods and services from the African diaspora uh, for folks to be able to shop while also helping uh, individuals, young African-American men, study abroad. Africa on my back uh, sells handmade art, uh, pieces by artisans in Ghana, West Africa. Kente print backpacks, wallets, earrings, face masks, and various other accessories and bags. Uh, joining me now uh, to explain uh, this and, which, and these accessories help fund the program Brilliant Black Boys is the founder and CEO of Africa on My Back, Shanette Prince. Shanette, glad to have you on Roland Martin uh, on the filter. So where does the idea start from? Uh, thank you for having me, uh, Roland. So I traveled to Ghana in 2016. Uh, for the first time, I was on the continent, and I was blown away by the culture, the food, the people, um, the textiles, and everything that the artisans were making. So fast forward six months later, I took my then 14-year-old son to Ghana because I wanted him to have the same experience that I did, and I saw him come alive. I saw him be free. I saw him indulging in foods that he'd never seen or tasted. I saw him trying to learn the language, um, Twee. Like, I saw him come alive. I saw a free Black boy. Um, and at the time, I was working at a charter school, and I knew that people love backpacks, right? We have back-to-school drives all the time um, in this country. And so I knew that I would love to see boys and girls of African descent walk around with something from the continent, something authentic, not something that was made somewhere else, but something that was actually made on the continent. Um, and that's when we birthed Africa on my back. And so the name is twofold, right? It's Africa on my back because you're actually wearing a product from the continent, but you are also, when you wear it, the pride that you have, um, you're always thinking about the continent because you know that somebody that looks like me made this backpack and I know that I'm helping them with their economic uh, goals as well as providing services um, and opportunities for these brilliant black boys to go study abroad. Wow, uh, that is uh, pretty cool. And so you started, uh, so, when it, so you went to Ghana in 2016 and you started the business um, when? In 2017. So in 2017, and so last five years, and so how has uh, the business grown? How many projects did you start with, and then how many are you? Uh, how many you have now? Oh yeah, so we started with the backpack. It was just the goal to, was to have the backpacks on the students um, here in Houston and across the country um, eventually. And we've gone from backpacks to messenger bags, from messenger bags to earrings, earrings, face masks during the pandemic. Um, in 2020, we took our first group of students to Ghana. And when we came back is when, you know, the pandemic hit, the world shut down, and we immediately went into um, selling African print face masks that were made in Ghana. Uh, we have duffel bags. Uh, we have fans. We, we have just started a dainty collection. So we have fans and wristlets um, for the woman who, you know, wants to go out but wants, doesn't want to carry one of those name brands. They want to carry Africa on my back, which is the new name brand. Um, so we, we have yoga mat bags for our wellness people who are in wellness. Um, you can put your yoga mat bag in there. We have every product that is functional that a student or a professional would need to get from point A to point B. We have those, we have travel bags, uh, duffel bags and three different sizes, carry ons, as well as bags that you can put, uh, in the, uh, under the, under the plane. Oh, uh, let's also, let's, uh, have some uh, questions. For my panelists, uh, let's start with you, Teresa. Hi, well, congratulations. Um, I, you know, I think this is, one, a very important product to have. 
Um, so if I wanted to purchase, um, where can I buy? And are you on social media? Yes, we are on all platforms on social media as Africa on my back. Uh, you can purchase on our on our website, www.africaonmyback.com. It has all of our information, all the products. Uh, I think you're seeing it right now, but all of our products are on there. Our stories on there, news clippings, everything that you want to know about Africa on my back, you can find on that website. All right, then. Uh, Toron, you're next. Hello. First, I want to say your merchandise looks amazing. Um, your website looks great. So, uh, and thank you for creating this line. My question for you is, um, what kind of response have you seen from the young black boys that you've taken to Africa, and how have they, how have they reacted to the merchandise, and how have they um, has it filtered out into the uh, community? Oh, so we took two. Well, we rented out a uh, a, a movie theater when Black Panther came out, and that's when we really launched with the boys. Um, we had 250 boys in the theater, and they came to see Black Panther, of course. Um, and it was an opportunity for me to tell my story. Uh, my son was there, and he shared, you know, his his experience in Ghana. And we also gave out our Africa on My Back t-shirts, as well as some backpacks and other things. And I was so surprised from the adults that were there that were sending in pictures. Like, months after the event, the boys were wearing their shirts. They had their backpacks on at school. So they were, they were proud, which is what I wanted them to be. Like, that's the response we want. They were proud to wear um, their backpacks. They were proud to wear their T-shirts. They were proud to have something that represented them in their schools. And so the response has been amazing among, uh, amongst the boys, uh, amongst the boys who we've actually taken um, to Ghana. One has graduated um, from high school. We have another one who's a senior this year in high school and one who's a junior um, and one going into ninth grade. So, you know, I am I'm really excited about what their future will hold because they have stepped foot on the African continent. They went to um, the slave dungeons. They learned the history about how the trans the transatlantic slave trade happened. And so I'm really I'm really excited for their futures because that's an experience that they won't ever forget. Um, that's something that they'll hold on to. They can always look back on it. I've been to Ghana. You know, I've been to Africa when they are with their peers or, you know, when they go off to college and they're in conversations and people start talking about where they vacation and passports and all those things. They can actually participate in the conversation and say that I, too, have been there. You know, I, too, have traveled abroad. You know, these are some of the things that I've seen, as well as the pictures and the videos that they took there. Toran? Oh, yes. I'm sorry, Larry. Larry? Yeah, so first of all, I'm, this is a great initiative uh, as a father of a black male. Uh, thank you. Uh, it's really important to make sure we expose uh, young brothers to, like I said, visiting the continent is really important in terms of their self-esteem and seeing beyond some of the stereotypes you see in society. One of the questions I want to ask you is, you know, the last couple of years, well, since the, the uh, murder of George Floyd, a lot of corporations have been trying to work with black, you know, um, run uh, organizations, entities. So my question is, how do you, you, you have you navigated, you know, you know, maybe working with some corporate, you know, or some other organizations at the same time, maintaining the authenticity that you, you began with and continue with? Yeah. 
That's a really good question um, because it can be challenging, right? You want to make sure that you get the funding so that the business continues to operate and that you have um, money to then, you know, take the boys to where they, to, to the study abroad opportunities. But you also, like you mentioned, want to keep the authenticity. Um, you brought up George Floyd. So we are in Houston, Texas. My son graduated from the high school that George Floyd attended, right? I stayed probably three minutes away from where uh, Hey, 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 no, 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 look, you can't just say the high school. Baby, you got the name. Jack Yates High School. Jack Yates High School. High School, yes. Come on now, you talking to a graduate of Jack Yates. You better ask somebody. Go ahead. Okay, now you can continue. So my son, so you see that pride that Roland talked about? <laughs> my son has that pride, right? I graduated from Texas Southern University and got my master's from Florida A&M University. So authenticity runs in my, like, that's who I am. So there's never been a time where I question that because I have two black sons who are growing up at a time where they can't ever get away from being black males, Right. That's who they are. So I have to stay true to my mission because I have to make sure that at the end of the day, my sons and everybody else's sons that look like them have an opportunity to be a global citizen. So authenticity, I, that's not something that I worry about. Um, and I have worked in the nonprofit sector for so long. Um, it really became dis disillusioned with that because sometimes missions do change when you take money from other people. Right. And so that's that was the reason that Africa on my back really started was the backpack is the vehicle to get the boys to Ghana. Right. I know having worked in the nonprofit arena, you have to have a funding source. So the backpacks and the products are the funding source to make sure that we can get the boys to where they need to be. You know, I tell people all the time we can change products, but the mission of getting brilliant black boys to Ghana or to uh Utah or New Mexico or California, places that they need to go and see what it's like outside of their neighborhoods is very important to me. Um, you know, from my son going to being accepted to Duke University in the ninth grade to go and explore. I want our boys, all of them to have the opportunity to explore, to dream big. And you can't get that staying in the neighborhood sometimes. You know, you can't get that. So these are opportunities that I want to make sure, as I've done it for my sons, right? It's personal. I've done it for my sons. I want to make sure that their friends and their friends' friends and your son has the same opportunity. So authenticity, we are who we are. We're black. You know, my grandmother, my great-grandmother lived to be 113. My grandmother um, is 102 now. I know who I am. And so the mission won't ever change. All right, then. Well, look, uh, we certainly appreciate it. Good luck. If people want to get one, more information, where they go to check out uh, what, you, what you have for sale. Yes, they can go to www.africaonmyback.com, www.africaonmyback.com. We are across all social media platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Pinterest, uh, Twitter, at Africa on My Back. All right, then. Now, Trinette Prince, we certainly appreciate it. Uh, thank you so very much uh, for joining us on today's show. Thank you. All right. Uh, YouTube, while y'all tripping, uh, we should have a 1,000 likes at 700. This makes no sense whatsoever. So between now and me signing off, y'all would hit that damn like button. Uh, let me thank Teresa, Torun, and Larry for being on today's show. I certainly appreciate you joining us uh, with your thoughts and perspectives.
uh, folks, uh, that is it from us. We're now headed over to the tent. We now we should have the live stream up because they have the gala going on. The entertainment is happening right across the street, and I think we have a, a second stream that's going up right now. Uh, yes, we do. So uh, that uh, that live stream uh, is uh, maybe it's not happening just yet. Maybe it hasn't started, but I do I do see. Well, that's it right there. So uh, the grand opening opening party. We will be broadcasting right here on the Black Star Network. Uh, Dougie Fresh, Slick Rick are going to be performing. Y'all can check that out. See, this is why y'all got to support this. Y'all, we are the first. We are the first media outlet that they have allowed to broadcast inside of here. Earlier today, after they had the, uh, the opening, uh, no cameras were allowed in. No media cameras were allowed into the museum. Uh, they wanted people to be able to experience it. But then they allowed us in to do the interviews with Bill Roden uh, and others. And so we certainly appreciate that. And so they gave us permission uh, to be the first uh, uh, media outlet to literally broadcast our show uh, from inside of the museum. And so we certainly thank them uh, for that. And so uh, we are covering this. The grand opening party is tonight. The block party is happening tomorrow here uh, and from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Then tomorrow evening, they have uh, a doc a documentary that's going to be called After Jackie. We'll be there. There's going to be a celebrity talk part of that. We're going to be, we're gonna be uh, uh, streaming that as well. And so, folks, uh, we have wall-to-wall coverage of the opening of the Jackie Robinson Museum. It was Rachel Robinson's uh, vision uh, to get this built. She turned 100 years old last week. She lived to see this take place. Uh, it was great seeing her a little bit earlier. I'm just going to go ahead and pull that video up again, y'all. Uh, we had the video uh, we showed you off the top uh, when Rachel Robinson uh, cut the, um, when she cut the, um, uh, so y'all showing it? Nope, nope. Yeah, that's when she cut uh, the, um, the ribbon there uh, to, uh, to kick this thing off. And so... Uh, that is the video uh, of her. Uh, it was uh, just so, so great uh, to see her. Uh, we were, uh, of course, uh, I took some photos of her in uh, her wheelchair. Uh, and uh, look, look, she, she was, she rolled up. She was ready to roll. Uh, and when they, when they call her name to step on up, uh, she did that. And then uh, she was all smiles uh, when her son, David, uh, wheeled her up to cut that ribbon. Uh, and so everyone stood up there and you saw again, Della's there on the front row, Spike Lee, Billie Jean King, Sheila Johnson, co-founder of BET, and the CEO of Salamander. That's her other daughter, Sharon, there in the wheelchair uh, right there as well. The whole family, her grandchildren are there. They were all there to witness this history being made here in New York City. And we thank them for allowing us. We were here for the groundbreaking five years ago, five years ago, and we are so happy to be here uh, for uh, this occasion right here. And so don't go back to the video. We're going to close it with that. Uh, folks, that is it. Uh, again, we'll see y'all from across the street. Uh, so we'll close it out uh, of Rachel Robinson cutting that ribbon. We'll see y'all from across the street uh, for the grand opening party of the Jack Robinson Museum here in New York City. I'm Roland Martin. I'm Roland Martin on the Focus on the Black Star Network. Folks, we will see you tomorrow. Holla!
I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.